everyone, and welcome back to your weekly fix of Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard. It's true, isn't it? Podcasts, they get a little addictive, don't they? You find yourself seeking them out, and if you're in the car and you've not got one on, for example, it feels like all a bit quiet. You need to have one on the go. Anyway, speaking of being a lucky bastard, I can tell you all that it was my birthday this week, huh? Happy birthday to Ginger Gerald. So tea treated us both to a spa morning and an all-you-can-eat brunch at a beautiful hotel here in Parma. Not bad, eh? One of those very many things which you can do from time to time as a bit of a treat when you're lucky enough, no comment for the lucky bit, to live in such a beautiful and desirable location as Mallorca. Now, just to rub your nose in it a little bit more, sitting in the hot tub on the Hotel Spa's terrace, not only did we have the most fabulous view over the whole of the bay and city of Parma and its cathedral, but, and this doesn't happen very often at all, the Tramontana mountaintops in the background were covered in snow. The local media says we've had more snow this last week in Mallorca than we've had in the last five years, which, to be honest, isn't saying that much, but still a really nice change of scenery for us. Now, my birthday wasn't a particularly significant one this time around. Significant being a euphemism for birthdays that end in a zero, by the way. And the next one of those is a few years away yet. But Facebook, of course with its you-either-love-it-or-hate-it-memories functionality, very kindly reminded me of my last significant birthday, celebrating with an amazing weekend in Barcelona. What a city that is for a weekend trip, eh, Barcelona? It's absolutely fantastic. And I'll be coming back to that very weekend shortly, because today we're going to talk about one of my very favourite things in life, food. Now, can you believe it? We've done over 20 episodes of Ginger Gerald, You Lucky Bastard. That's the best part of 10 hours of me just rabbiting on, sometimes with invites, sometimes on my own. Well, to be fair, some of that 10 hours we've spent laughing, some of it crying, some of it reminiscing, all of it enriching. I can see you all nodding your heads out there. Yet we've not dedicated one single solitary episode to food. That's a very major error on my part, folks. I can only apologise to you. We've talked about drinking. We've talked about gardening. We've even talked about swimming pool maintenance, for Christ's sake. But we haven't focused on food. Comida, boof, SIBO, brunch, lunch, tea, dinner, supper, scrunt, tucker... Call it what you like. The raison d'etre of this pod, supposedly, is to explore all matters pertinent to moving and living overseas. And food, at least for Ginger Gerald's family here, and I'm pretty sure for all of you, even if your time abroad has been limited to the odd weekend in Benidorm, food is massively important. And a theme which I consider to be both relevant and significant to this podcast. So, better late than never, we're going to right that wrong today, folks, and we're going to tuck into a taco, devour a donna, savour a steak, and pick at a paella. 
and we'll blend that in with a few wholesome anecdotes and memories. Wow, that was all a bit of a mouthful, wasn't it? Bum bum, mouthful. Now, just the impact of the very mention of the word food is amazing. I can guarantee that subconsciously, your mind has already whisked you back to your favorite restaurant or your most memorable meal, or it's got you thinking about what you're gonna have for tea tonight. The truth is, I'm not even sure where to start this theme. So let's go back to the beginning and to my real first real recollection and memories of food. There are, I think I'm right in saying, 13 years difference in age between my eldest brother and my youngest brother. So that means that for about five years, five, six years in the 70s, there were 10 of us living full-time in the same house. Eight brothers of varying ages, but not too big a gap between any of us, to be honest, plus a mum and a dad, that makes 10. Now, even as I speak into this microphone and record into this laptop, I can feel the vibes from some of you, particularly those of you who are parents, shaking your heads in disbelief and sweating and saying, why, oh why? Well, I can't answer that question. What I can tell you is that 10 people at home for every meal and every snack of every day meant a whole load of food, folks. Let's start with potatoes. Potatoes. They got delivered once a week in 50 pound bags and we all became expert potato peelers. Milk. At the pinnacle of our combined consumption, we were having eight pints of milk delivered every single day to our doorstep. And all of them with that fabulous top of the bottle cream they all used to have back then, absolutely delicious. My mum, incredibly, was just a food factory. I never got the impression she really enjoyed the industrial cooking that she had to do. I can't say the cooking was over-creative, to be honest, but she was amazing and we ate loads and never, well, I shouldn't say never, very rarely did we go hungry. We all had hot school meals, of course. So tea time, which might be dinner or supper for some of you maybe, wasn't always cooked. But even if it was sandwiches or biscuits or cake or whatever it was, was it was still a huge amount of food. And of course, everything had to be plated up. Imagine just shoving it all on the table for us to nicely help ourselves. Well, then it would have just been the survival of the fittest. The elder ones would have been all right, but I'm not sure the younger ones would have even survived. One thing we never ever did, as I remember, was to go out for dinner from home. Not even down to the pub for a pie or to the chippy. And I didn't even know that takeaways existed. However, what I did know, and I knew this was from a very young age, was that A, I liked food and I liked virtually everything I ate. B, I felt I needed to eat a lot of food. And C, I knew I had to fight to make sure I got my fair share and that nothing was stolen from me. Now as a tactic, very clever of me, I became my mum's special helper in the kitchen. 
particularly when it came to making puddings, which was absolutely where she played her trump card. Rhubarb crumble, apple and blackberry pie, spotted dick, chocolate sponge trifle, the lot. By offering to help her, not only was I seen to be helping the family cause, which was a good thing, but more significantly for me, it meant that I got to scrape all the bowls and sneak bits of the ingredients while nobody was watching. I still, even now, enjoy a bit of raw pastry some four or five decades later, and it definitely dates back to those times when you ate what was there, whatever it was, to make sure you got enough, or even better, you got a little bit more than somebody else. So I think I've been very lucky. I'm a lucky bastard, and I've always had a very good relationship with food. It really didn't take me long to begin to try other stuff when I moved away from the family home, and, well, I usually liked it wherever I travelled and wherever I've lived. So, after that little trip down memory lane, let's move on to something which might be a little bit more relatable for the majority of you. We're going to look at local specialities. Wherever you go, even if it's your hometown or a place a few miles away or a resort or a city on the other side of the planet, everywhere has its own local specialities, which we're encouraged to try. And we sort of feel obliged to do so as well. So I need you to think of your own favourites. Take your time, give it some thought and then share them with us all on the normal places. Maybe pop a little photo of yourselves up there eating them. Now, the sort of things I'm thinking of are arepas in Venezuela, maybe ceviche in Peru, or maybe if you prefer the Mexican version of the ceviche. In our household, this debate about ceviches can go on for hours, even days. And where can you get the best curry? In India, in Sri Lanka, in Thailand, or maybe just up the road, wherever that may be for you. And of course, there are tacos, frog's legs, mussels and chips, guinea pig, grilled sardines. The list of local specialities simply never ends. And I'm sure you've got all of your own favourites. So I'm going to throw out there a couple of my favourites and a couple of the things I feel are the most overrated, in my humble opinion, local delicacies. Okay, you ready? Up first, raclette. Now, if you've ever spent any time in the Alps, you'll know what I'm talking about here. You get a massive lump of raclette cheese, which comes on sort of a, um, a holder, which you melt. And as it melts, you scrape the melted cheese off onto your plate of potatoes and cold meats. And then you just keep doing it. Now, I'm an absolute cheese fiend. And given the chance, particularly in the days when I used to burn off a lot more calories than I do now, I could just eat tons of cheese. Added to that, I associate raclette with the mountains and with skiing. So that whole ensemble is just fabulous for me. So that's me first, raclette. Next up, and you won't be surprised about this because this one's from Mexico. Next up is a torta of cochinita pibil. Oh, yes. This is a kind of Mayan, slightly spiced pork sandwich. Those of you who've been, or you who live in Mexico now, 
particularly in the Yucatan, you know exactly what I'm talking about here and you're probably licking your lips as I speak. Traditionally, the pork's wrapped in banana leaves and it's cooked for hours, even overnight, in a hole in the ground. But you can make your own as long as you can get your hands on a packet of achiote and you've got a slow cooker. Now, I can honestly say it's just the most delicious thing known to man. Unless, of course, you're a vegetarian or a vegan, in which case it's not great and I don't recommend it at all. My final local delicacy selection to share with you today, mm, what's that going to be? I could select any delicacy from anywhere in the world and I'm going to choose a cheesy oat cake from Stoke-on-Trent, North Staffordshire, England. Get yourself to a proper oatcake shop where they make them that does just oatcakes. That's all it does. Get there early on a Sunday morning, queue up for a little while. They're very popular, you know, and order two oatcakes cooked with cheddar cheese on them. The phrase you'll need to use is to a cheese duck. Now, don't worry. There'll be no duck on the oatcakes, but there'll be plenty of cheese. The person serving you whether they're male, female, or none of the above, they're the duck. You got it? So when you say two with cheese duck, you mean two oatcakes with cheese duck. Got it? Anyway, I promise you'll have done yourself a gastronomic favour by ordering them. So there's just a quick taste of my faves, just three of my faves. I've got lots of them. But what about a couple of, well, disappointing local delicacies. Has anyone had brick in Tunisia? Yep, it's called brick and it's spelt B-R-I-K. My recollection of it was a sort of overcooked egg with a few potatoes in batter. And quite often by the time you got it served, it was cold. The batter shatters when you tuck into it. So it goes all over the place anywhere. It's very difficult to eat. And your hands get all greasy. And no, it's not top of my list of local specialties. Very disappointing, I'm afraid. Now, I'm all for lamb stew and couscous. Don't get me wrong. But I choose to pass on the brick starter. And here's another one. And this is a little bit dangerous here. I'm sort of on a bit of the line here. Got to be ready for a little bit of stick. And please don't take this personally, anybody. But one of the most overrated local specialities, for me at least, is the Mallorcan ensaimada. I just really don't get it. Unless you shove a load of cream or caramel inside them to cheer them up a little bit, they're really a little bit dull and they do nothing for me at all. And if they're not just out of the oven, well... They're just like a dry bit of bread. But there are people who rave about them and they'll always tell you whose are the best and where you need to go to buy them. There's a bunch of shops. You've probably seen them. There's a bunch of shops in the departure area at Palmer Airport that just sell in Saimadas. Tons of people buy them and they take them to the family and their friends as presents in their, admittedly, very stylish and attractive octagonal boxes, like a pizza box, but a little bit posher. In fact, I think the boxes are the best thing about them. Anyway, 
Don't let Ginger Gerald influence your likes and dislikes. Feel free to argue their case. That's the beauty of food. We all have our own opinions and they can be totally opposite and that's fine. And if, by the way, you've no clue what an insamada is and therefore what I'm babbling on about, then Google it and maybe have a try when you're next this way. By the way, just to level the score up a bit, as a Mallorcan resident, I can say hand on heart that I absolutely love lechona, tumbet, frit Mallorquin, coca de patata from Vaidamosa. So I'm not anti-Mallorcan food at all. Quite the opposite, in fact. I love it. But ensaimada? Seriously? Let's move on, folks, before I get shot, eh? What you may have picked up already, or maybe you've been thinking as your mind's been taking you all over the place recalling your global food-related experiences, is that favourite meals are not just about the food for most of us. Maybe if you're a food professional or a chef, then it is all about the taste and presentation of food. But for me, a fabulous and memorable, in fact, the best meals is when there's a combination of these four factors. Ready? Where, why, who, and what. Do you remember that CAC formula that I introduced in the episode? In fact, I pioneered in the episode, It's All Double Dutch to Me. The CAC formula is about measuring your progress when you're learning to speak a foreign language. And CAC stands for Knowledge, Attitude, and Confidence. Well, have a listen to that, by the way, if you can't remember it. Well, we're going to introduce a new formula here to help you to gauge and compare your best ever meals. And we're going to call it the 4W. That's the four W's, but I'm going to write it. Digit 4, double in letters, and then big capital U, because I'm thinking... That's quite a trendy little brand and I'm much more likely to win a creative marketing award or even get on the Queen's, sorry, King's birthday honours list, which I just missed out on in 2022. Anyway, for each of the four W's, where, why, who and what, you need to give a mark out of 10. And once we've done them all, then you add up the four scores and that gives you an overall dining experience score out of 40. This is the new TripAdvisor, folks. You heard it here first. Right, let's get going. And I hope it inspires you all to do exactly the same at home with your partner, with your friends, with your family. You can have no end of fun and debates using this little gem of a formula. At the beginning of the show, you remember, I mentioned a certain significant birthday which I spent in Barcelona. So let's take the dinner we had that Saturday evening and give it the four double U treatment. Okay? Where? Barcelona. I've given that away already. Personally, I think Barcelona is an amazing and an exciting city, city with a little bit of an edge to it. Now, I've never lived there, and I've not spent too much time there, though I did have a brother who lived there for a while. But for weekend break, it's got to be right up there with the best. There's so much to see, to do, to take in. You've got the port, you've got the food, you've got the ramblers, you've got all that fantastic architecture. 
So for where, I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. Next up is why. Why were we there? Well, it was my birthday, you know that, and it was my 50th one at that. So a significant one, some would say, and not one that I was likely to forget. Now, we were due to go to Andorra skiing originally, so we'd book flights to Barcelona, but my son just happened to break his ankle shortly before the trip. So we decided skiing wasn't really a great option, but we weren't gonna waste the flights we'd already booked. So we ended up in Barcelona. So the why, for all those reasons, well, that gets a 10 too. Next, we come on to who. And that's an interesting one. T had very secretively arranged for some of my brothers to come over to Barcelona for the big birthday weekend with their wives. Now, for me, this was a total surprise. I didn't think it happened. It didn't even cross my mind. Each one of them was in a different bar. So discovering them all as we were going from bar to bar was absolutely amazing. And I really can't repeat now quite what my words were as each one of them revealed themselves. But let's just say I got a little giddy and the language was colourful. Now, of course, I would have absolutely loved my two daughters to have been there too, and they'd have loved it too. That would have just been made it perfect, but it wasn't possible. So I'm going to deduct a point each from my missing girls, and I'm going to give the who an 8 out of 10. So that brings us to the final W, what? And this is where the food comes into the equation. Now, maybe you can reorder the Ws and put what near the beginning. That's okay, that's up to you. But I quite like them this way around. It's not that the food's not important, but it's not necessarily the most important thing about a fantastic meal. And here in the what, I'm also including the service and the drinks. Well, we went to the fabulous restaurant. We were given the best round table in the house. When there's a lot of you, don't you love having a round table? Because everybody can talk to everybody. Nobody is, you don't get two parties going on at the end of the table. The dry ice G&Ts were just amazing. And the quality of everything we ate and we drank was just top notch. So without a shadow of a doubt, it's a 10 out of 10 for the what. So that particular meal, or should I say the overall experience for me, scored a 38 out of 40. That, folks, is pretty good and takes quite a bit of beating. I challenge you all to give this some real thought and enjoy reliving some of the best meals you've ever had, wherever you've been, by applying the four double U formula. And when you go for your next meal, start marking it when you're there at the table. It's great banter. Anyone got a 39 or a 40? Or maybe even a score below 10, which would really be a bit sad, but hey, we've all got them and it'd be very interesting. So either way, whatever your score, share it with us. Let us know. You know where we are. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Come on. We can't wait to hear your scores your stories, your reasoning, and your pictures. Wow, you've tired me out, folks. And I'm, you know what? 
I'm getting a little bit peckish, it has to be said, with all this talk about food. So, you know what? That's it for today or for tonight, depending what time you are. I think you can tell I've quite liked talking about food and its entourage of experiences. Maybe I'm going to have to do a part two on this one. Do you think that's allowed? So, Ginger Gerald, we'll be back again next week to enlighten, entertain, inspire and enrich. So keep tuning in, keep in touch, keep sharing the pod and have a fabulous week. Bye. Thank you, Ginger Gerald, for enriching our lives.